Arbitrum has finally announced the long-awaited airdrop. Is it layer two season? Are we finally here? Can we say that? Bankless Nation, it is the third Friday of March. David, what time is it? Ryan, it's the Friday Bankless Weekly Roll-Up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor yet. We persevere nonetheless into the frontier with an airdrop this week. The frontier has brought us an airdrop. We found an Big airdrop. One. Big one. We got one. We got it's one. One that was much anticipated, guys. We're going to tell you about the Arbitrum airdrop. It's happening. And uh, we've got all the details. Mm -hmm. We're also going to talk about some of this fallout from this little banking crisis a little that bit. seems to be going on. Crisis. It happened after we recorded the last roll up, and mm -hmm. it's been going on until then. So we'll talk about that. Now, maybe the contagion has reached Europe. David, what else are we covering? Uh, the New York attorney says that Ether is a security, but uh -huh. should we even listen to them at all? Uh, Gary says staking is also security-ish. Uh, we have to listen to him a little bit more. Uh, the CFTC says, hold up, hold up. So we'll talk about, about all those details. And then sad, sad news out of DeFi protocol, Euler. It was a big hack, $200 million DeFi hack from a beloved bear market uh, building team. So we'll cover those details and more. Make sure to like and subscribe, rate and review wherever you are listening to this, whether you are listening to this on the podcast or on the YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button and share it with your friends and family to help those who are not yet on their bankless journey go bankless. Speaking of going bankless, David, uh, this is a question for everyone in the bankless nation who is listening right now. Are you a bankless citizen yet? Uh, David and I told you about the release of our new website, bankless.com, last week. I think we must have said it about 10 times. We're Not trying enough. to get hit, in our quota times. of a dozen. Uh, launched last Friday. Fantastic. Getting mm -hmm. a lot of great feedback from the community. What The section I have open right now is our Just for Citizens section. So if you were listening Citizens to this only, if you and you are not a citizen, <laughs> there's an option to upgrade and become a citizen right now. One thing I'll draw your attention to is something that drops... At the time you're listening to this, it should drop today. That is our airdrop guide, all right? Every month, we issue an exclusive airdrop guide to all bankless citizens mm -hmm. that contains some alpha. It's our best guesses on which airdrops are happening next, and they're still happening. People, people said the airdrops were dead. Uh-uh, mm -mm. not the case. Mm -mm. We just got probably our biggest airdrop. Of the year? Um, of the year of yeah. the last, like, I don't know, the last long time yeah. just happened this week. And the airdrop guide has a whole bunch more. I don't know there's uh, a few dozen anyways. Mm -hmm. And so if you missed out on Arbitrum, or even if you got the Arbitrum opportunity, there are more opportunities to unlock because as we always say, David, crypto pays you to learn about crypto. Mm -hmm. You use mm -hmm. some of these protocols, you implement the strategies, and uh, you can be eligible for these in the future. Potentially, these are just our guesses. Anyway, citizens get access to this. Our track record is pretty damn good, dude. Pretty our track record is great. Good. Yeah. yeah. And well, you definitely you, you hear about it in the feedback inside of the, uh, inside of the Bankless Nation Discord. Like, yeah. the Bankless Premium subscription is designed to pay for itself. Uh, and this is just one of the many ways in which it does that. Uh, Here we go. Let's get to markets, David. Uh, the price of Bitcoin this week, we up or we down? Uh, we are very up. 15%. When's the last 15% 15 green week that you've seen in Bitcoin? We started the week at 21,650. And that was before we dumped. So right when we... This is this always happens, Ryan. We concluded the weekly roll-up last <laughs> Wait, week. Right about here, right? When right, was yeah, that? right about uh, there is when we recorded. Okay. And then that big the red candle down. happened. 
happened and then it went down even more and then it resurged all throughout that this last week. So it's, we started the week at like 21,600, hit a low of below 20,000, which is not a number we want to be below. And then as soon as this banking crisis resolved itself Sunday night, Monday morning, Bitcoin had a massive run, a 20 to 25 percent run inside of that half of a huge. day or something. Look at this. Yeah. Between below 20,000 to uh, almost 27,000. We are currently at twenty four thousand seven hundred dollars, uh, up 15 percent on the week from where we started at twenty one thousand. So uh, one of the most volatile weeks in crypto price action, probably of the year, uh, ending the week positive in over the last seven days by up 15 percent. So as is tradition, I'm sure by the time you hear this, we'll be down another yeah, 15, why, 20%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were, I, I was another joking, like, down after, after that candle down, like, we need to just change this section. It's like, all right, Bankless Nation, please please pull <laughs> open out your, your charts. Open your price tracker. Checker. <laughs> That's the price of Bitcoin. <laughs> recite Bitcoin to yourself. Uh, recite ETH to yourself. <laughs> Insert here. Uh, how about ETH price? That tells a story, though, which is different than Bitcoin. It's also yep. up, as you'd expect, mm -hmm. but not up as much. Not What's up as ETH much. Price? Yeah, ETH price starting the week at 1530 uh it fell down to below 1400 dollars uh mm. moved up almost to 1800 dollars and now is at 1660 dollars so a, what a very volatile week overall up eight and a half percent on the week uh bitcoin almost doubled the appreciation of ether this week david can you believe that <laughs> I, well, let's get is, to this chart yeah, this is the yeah. ETH to bitcoin ratio and i'm and, wondering if you're a little salty about this I'm, or I'm if you're feeling a okay little bit salty about right, this. look at this yeah. ratio man uh -huh. so so bitcoin of course appreciated much faster than uh the price of ether this week and so yes. that means the ratio goes down where down are we on the ratio down six percent so down 6%. It, it, it actually was like doing really really well we almost got up to 0 0.074 we were down to 0 0.076 which is a huge move for the ratio there i mean we're used to dollar moves bitcoin versus ether versus the dollar but the ratio does not usually move much uh i haven't i don't remember the last time the ratio moved six percent but yeah down below 0 0.067 so we are touching the the lows of the recent times now look at this i'm uh learning to become a charter on kraken pro and i'm just zooming Thanks, out kraken do it uh, doing god work here yeah, you've really helped. Um, Kraken Pro, of course, bankless sponsor, our favorite place to go chart and uh, to exchange Brian, coins. Brian's only place that he charts. <laughs> <laughs> the only place that he's been able to it's do great, it. It's great, though. So I we love haven't, it. We haven't seen these this lows in the ETH Bitcoin ratio since the Three Arrows Capital liquidation back in June. Wow. And the All reason right. why the Ether price was so suppressed then was because Ether is just used as the collateral of the internet just in DeFi and across, even in Solana, right? And so when Three Arrows Capital liquidated itself and many others, uh, Ether had so much sell pressure and it bounced right back above that. But now we we haven't seen lows since then. So, Okay, well, yeah. so this chart really tells a story. I think this might be one of the, the, the stories of the week. Why did mm -hmm. Bitcoin appreciate so much relative to, to Ether? It's not like some catalyst event happened for Bitcoin. It was, this is all on the back of these, these bank runs and the resolution right. of the bank runs. But Bitcoin appreciated more, almost double. Yeah. Um, Ether, why? Yeah, I think that's right. I can only really explain it by the, the banking crisis. And I think the very simple take is that, oh, uh, banking crises, banks are collapsing. Bitcoin banks bad, in, Bitcoin in ba good. Yeah, right. And whether or not this is new capital who are like, oh, the banks are collapsing, therefore I'm going to warm up to Bitcoin now. I don't know how much capital is saying is like coming to that conclusion. The other take is like, oh, the traders of crypto are like, oh, other people are going to think that. 
and therefore we're going to buy Bitcoin because people are going to think that, oh, banks collapsing, therefore Bitcoin. Um, I think when something so big in the trad world that proves out crypto's use cases to happens, Bitcoin I think the, the, simple, the simple take is like, oh, buy Bitcoin. Yeah, uh, that's my totally. that's my only explanation. That's my only let, take. Let me throw another take at you. I don't know if this sure. is later in the agenda, but you know, uh, Binance's reserve fund, their insurance mm-hmm. form, mm-hmm. F- fund, the Binance insurance fund that they've been right. stacking dollars in. Usually, it's it's denomin- it has been denominated in stable coins. CZ announced that Binance is going to. I don't know if they've begun this yet, David, but is going to rather than denominate this insurance fund if an exchange is hacked or something goes wrong, kind uh-huh. of the Binance bailout fund. Is going. He's going to move that from uh, stable coins into Bitcoin and ETH. Yeah. And could uh, that yeah, right. be and a front running of that, or could and that B&B. be that sort of activity? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, over over in the long term, if like we just bounce off of this low, because like we're, we we haven't broken down lows back down to the three hours capital liquidation levels. If we just bounce back up, then this will become noise. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to interpret this. What are you doing? Are you still holding that ratio trade? Oh, God. Out? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've held I've held the rate my ratio trade down way below this. I've held it down to point zero five. You're not worried. I held it through the the three arrows capital liquidation. Look, by the, the way, the, you did. Your, boy, yeah. your boy's not here for the short term. <laughs> <laughs> Narrative traders are excited yeah. right now, but yeah. David continues to hold. Yeah. Uh, how about the global crypto market cap? How are we 1. doing? $1.125 trillion. Wow. Up bigly. We almost S- fell below a trillion, but we have not. Yeah, so we're up about $100 billion just on the week. Kind of yeah, nice. Casual. Two let's talk about, Two let's talk about uh, CPI inflation. Got to talk about the quote-unquote real economy. No, it's not mm-hmm. the real economy. I guess this is the traditional economy, the non-crypto economy. Yeah. Uh, inflation. So the long-awaited U.S. CPI numbers, that is the Consumer Price Index numbers, came in. What are they reading? Annual inflation down to six percent. So recall, over the summer we were at like nine percent, eight or nine percent, something like this. And then CPI grew less the last month. So that would be the month of um, February. Then in January, it grew less by 0.4% in February and less by 0.5% in January. So I my interpretation is that the C, uh, core inflation is down and it's down a predicted amount, not above or below that predicted amount. Is that the interpretation? Seems to be. It seems to be kind of in line with what analysts expected, maybe down a little bit more than analysts expected, but like nothing surprising here. So the market... Okay wasn't uh, reacting to this this week. It was all bank crisis time. Do you have a take so, about inflation here for us? So if I ask you to tell me how to feel about this, your answer is you got nothing? <laughs> I mean, nothing new, right? Tell it's, me how to feel about this, right? <laughs> um, inflation is, I hey, think, trending the same downwards. story. Trending downwards, but also is probably more persistent than the Fed or anyone else wants to admit and is probably um, still not going to be pushed downwards by monetary policy any mm. further. So I'm still in the camp of like, you're 2%? Nah, that was for the 90s. Right. We got like some 3 4% right. new normal, maybe like a 5%. That's still the camp I'm in, but uh, we'll have to see where, where things go. And, you know, we've had macro folks in the podcast like Lynn Alden, who I consider very good in, in this area. And uh, she talks about, hey, the next 10 years, we're going to have... Uh, cycles, volatility of inflation, right. periods, years spikes where of we, inflation, yeah. yeah, we have large spikes and then we kind of e- ease back down. But when we ease down, don't get comfortable there. We're not returning to like a, you know, 10 to 20 year period of time where we have 
two-digit inflation, we're going to continually get real inflation in the economy. Mm -hmm. And by the way, CPI is just, um, I feel like it's almost the wrong metric to look at anyway. Yeah, right? the, the takes I've been hearing about inflation is that we actually don't know to what degree is it a supply-side problem or a demand-side problem. Uh, so one take I heard recently was that, okay, we're increasing interest rates just to you know destroy capital, destroy demand. But also, like there's the whole supply chain thing and, and all of that. And so there's the other side of the equation that the Fed doesn't have control over. And to what degree that actual inflation is responding to Fed interest rate policy versus just normal consumer and supply chain and supply side things is still unknown. And perhaps yeah. the Fed's involvement here is less, and meaning that inflation will just naturally subside just by some of these idiosyncrasies of the COVID era just play out. As they we, will, we will have to see. That's what, that's what the Fed wants to be true. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that that's going to play out. David, let me give you some good news on your uh, ETH Bitcoin ratio trade. All right, ultrasound money still continues to be ultrasound. Oh, thank God. You can you can go look at ultrasound.money at the burn. We just hit 3 million ether supply burnt. As a percentage of the network, what's that? Just under like 2%. Um, uh no, over 2%, I think. Just sorry, was, just under 3%. Like, yeah, it doesn't got to be like 2.7, yeah. 2.8 2. something yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. Um that's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Three million, three million ETH burned since EIP one five five nine, not since proof of stake. How uh, since has stake um, Blockspace demand on Ethereum been lately? Uh, wow. Up only. Up this. only. Yeah. So one hundred and twenty uh, million, and we've burned three million because of EIP one five five nine. That is a significant amount. And EIP one five five nine burns ether at the margins, right? So the people that still have their ICO ether and are just holding on it, that ether is not being burnt. It's like the active transactors that have to re up their supply of ether that's being burnt. And so it actually does show up in the price slowly, very, very slowly. slowly. It's fundamentals. Yes. These are what yeah. we call fundamentals. Mm -hmm. uh, David, some interesting volume fundamentals as well. Uniswap volume is up big. This is a tweet from Hayden Adams. Uniswap at almost 12 billion in daily volume, hitting 11 digits for the first time ever. That's a crazy amount of volume. I feel like that's silently happening in the background. Well, as, uh, as no, not so DeFi. silently. That is that is people fleeing out of USDC. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, then, okay. and, and then back into USDC. Silently <laughs> happening in the background is what I was no, picturing. No, it's quite loud, actually. No, people are like, oh my God, it's USDC is over. <laughs> I, there was a lot of that this weekend, uh -huh. by the way. Um, yes. we'll, we'll get to it later, but of course, USD depegged to mm -hmm. 90 cents. Never seen that happen. Actually, below 90 below, cents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 88 88 cents. Never seen that before. So I guess that's why the exchange activity was busy. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. But it's also not, it's, this is in line with other things. So here's synthetics, a hundred million dollars in daily volume for synthetics perpetuals, uh, which is a almost a two X bigger amount than it's ever had on a daily. So like synthetics on layer two on optimism, yeah. uh, coming back with the force. And this has always been a big constraint on synthetics is layer one gas fees really hamstrung the whole entire synthetics ecosystem. Now that it's on optimism, it is seeing a, a, a rise of the phoenix for synthetics. Uh, MetaMask, MetaMask swaps, swaps also hitting all-time highs over the weekend. So activity is 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 in. Blockspace demand is in. You know, I'm going to do a quick shout out for uh, our friends and sponsors at, at MetaMask here. Seems like an appropriate time. Did mm. you know, Bankless Nation, inside of your MetaMask wallet, there's this really cool feature called the swap. swap. You could do inside of MetaMask. Don't need to go to an exchange. You just swap one asset for another. 
really reasonable prices and you get that done inside of your wallet. That's what does the whole order rides. routing thing to go through all the exchanges so you don't have to deal do with it. It's like kayak for your for your you know you know your like what hotels hotels.com or <laughs> yeah it's just tri- like kayak Trivago or whatever that is. Yeah. Kayak <laughs> for like, digital assets. Yeah, right. Uh, there you go. And thanks for thanks for MetaMask for supporting Bankless as always. David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, what do we have? Uh, the Arbitrum airdrop is what we're going to talk about. So we're going to talk about all those details. Uh, today, in about two and hours and 10 minutes, we're going to live stream with the uh, Arbitrum team. So that is available for those that are listening to this on Friday. Uh, but then we're going to talk about the banking crises and all about the fallout from that, the joint statement from the FDIC, Signature Bank, whether this is an attack on crypto, Tom Emmer's letter to the FDIC, uh, Jeremy Allaire's USCC, and Credit Suisse, because the banking crisis hit Europe. Uh, and then after that, we got to talk about the New York Attorney General that alleges that Ether is a security. But do we even care about that person? I don't even know. <laughs> Anyways, all of that and more as soon as we get back from some of these fantastic sponsors that makes this show possible. Arbitrum has finally announced the long-awaited airdrop. David, is it layer two season? Are we finally here? Can we say that? I think so. So Arbitrum's releasing their token. Optimism just had their base announcement with Coinbase. Two, count them, ZK EVMs go live next week. This is the layer two summer that we have been talking about for like two <laughs> years now. And uh, finally, finally coming. It's happening. It was yeah. a summer, just not in summertime. Anyway, the ARB token, that's what they called it, ARB, so not RB. Mm-mm. I like that, ARB, will finally will be used to govern over the Arbitrum ecosystem. And yes, it will be airdropped early to users. It launches next Friday as March 23rd. So the announcement is today. We know it's going to happen. We know some of the details. David's going to get into that. Mm-hmm. The actual token goes live Next Friday. So. Uh, next Thursday, actually. Next Thursday. Oh, is it next Thursday? Okay, next sorry, Thursday. guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So next Thursday, by the next roll-up, we'll have some actual token information. But yes. David, you know all about this because you've been mm-hmm. talking to Arbitrum. We have them on later. Give us the deets. Yeah, so, okay, uh, 10 billion token supply, uh, 11 point something something percent airdropped to users of Arbitrum, 1 point something percent uh, airdropped to DAOs on Arbitrum to give to their communities, uh, a significant percentage being given to the DAO treasury, something like 45%. So if you count the DAO treasury or 43%, excuse me. So if you count airdrop to DAOs, users, and the treasury, which the treasury is like up to the community to decide, that's something like 50, uh, 56-ish percent. Uh, and then investors and the team get something like 45% of total tokens how do you like that good distribution what do you think i'm waiting for the community to respond to that i know uh polenia said that this was a bad distribution but it's very hard to appease polenia these days uh (laughs) we we would know uh uh and uh but i don't know i so i i went into the uh, small brains discord and i was like yo uh, how's your guys' reactions to this? this like, is how an do you guys, community, small uh, brains. Yeah, small uh, brains. Yeah, community. yeah. The, the treasure DAO ecosystem. I just went in there and asked for their gut takes, and everyone was very, very excited. Uh, and so this sentiment is good. Strong morale, strong sentiment. I think the community is accepting this. Um, yeah, uh, that's that's my take there. Okay, that's the supply. Now, how are they actually distributing the airdrop portion of it, David? Who's who's getting this? How do how do I know if I'm eligible? Okay, so there's a bunch of different uh, reasons why one could be eligible for the Arbitrum token. I think you're going to go ahead and hit that button, and we can look at this. Uh, this happened live, Ryan. Yeah, this see is how many a, tokens uh, you got. All right. How many this tokens is, uh, did Brian get? a wallet I've been using. Let's see. Hey, hey, look at that 
confetti, 3,000 uh, tokens. I did five things out of the six things. Yes, That's but those cool five things wallet. also have uh, tiers inside of them as well. So six different oh. things, each one's with internal tiers. So did you bridge to Arbitrum? So that's pretty binary, like yes, yes or I no. Uh, you did, looks like you did not bridge to Arbitrum Nova, so you did not get that um, uh, qualification. Two different not chains. With th- not with this wallet, not with okay. This wallet. Not with we this wallet. Yeah, all your 17 other wallets, yeah. <laughs> um, transactions over time. So you've conducted transactions doing two of distinct months. Uh, if if you did it with six months, you got more. If you did it with nine months, you got even more than that. So that's uh, like a usage type thing. How yes. often are you doing this? Yeah, exactly. Uh, next one, transaction frequency and interaction. Uh, more than four transactions or interacted with sm- four smart contracts mm. as the base tier. And that goes up to 100 transactions with more than 100 transa- uh, smart contracts for the big power users out there. Uh, and so there's four different uh, tiers inside of uh, this criteria. Got uh, it. Below that is transaction value, 10,000, yes. 50,000, or 250,000 in aggregate transaction volume. So if you only had $1,000, but you transferred that $1,000 around 250 times, you would have uh, uh, gotten the, the top criteria. And then uh, bridged to Arbitrum 1. So assets bridged uh, if you deposit more than 10000 50000 or $250,000 of assets to Arbitrum 1. And then activity on Arbitrum No as well the other the other arbitrum chain so those are all the criteria yeah Mm -hmm. so i got three thousand arb tokens Mm -hmm. and again they're not awarded right now so i can't come claim these i can go claim them next thursday yes next thursday and you will also delegate to a delegate for governance which brings us to the conversation of governance so arbitrum is licensing arbitrum technology to the arbitrum dao uh and so this is actually pretty cool. They not only did they launch their token, they've also launched what they are calling Arbitrum Orbits, which are Arbitrum Layer Threes. So if you choose to build, <laughs> Ed, if you choose to build an Arbitrum rollup and deploy it on the Ethereum Layer One, so separate from the Arbitrum ecosystem, you must first get approval from the DAO. If you oh. choose to build an Arbitrum rollup and deploy it on Arbitrum 1 or Arbitrum Nova, that is completely permissionless. So you can use Arbitrum technology freely to build on top of Arbitrum pre-existing chains. But if you huh. want to take the Arbitrum technology and build your own independent rollup that settles directly to the Ethereum layer, two, uh, layer 1, you must first get DAO approval by token vote. Okay, let me make sure I understand this. So if we were to create a bankless Arbitrum rollup mm-hmm. and our own, apart mm-hmm. from Nova, apart from Arbitrum 1, yes. we it has to go to DAO vote. Yes. The ARB uh, token holders have to yes. give us, you know, 51% or more. Right. Uh, okay, so if we want to do that. But it is completely permissionless if we want to build our chain. Mm-hmm. Like what? A chain a layer, on a chain? A layer 3, yeah. A layer uh-huh. 3. A layer 3 on, using on top, Arbitrum tech. Okay, on, on top Arb- of? On top of Arbitrum. On yeah. top of Arbitrum One that is or Nova, free and permissionless or Nova, free, correct? Free and yes. permissionless. Yes. Interesting. Yes. All right. What What's the intent behind that? Do you think? Well, naturally, uh, the value of the Arbitrum chain gets contained by the Arb token if you build on on top of Arbitrum, yeah. One or One or Nova. But if you build an independent chain, you need to justify why you aren't building inside of the Arbitrum network. Uh, and so the the doubt will determine whether that, that effort is, is legitimate. Fascinating! Or not. Super I think fascinating, that's right? very fascinating. Nice experiment. Okay, what else does the Arb token do besides vote? Anything? Do you uh, do I pay transaction fees for it, or is that still ether? Oh no, that's always going to be ether. Yeah. the The other big thing is that there is a multi sig that backstops the fault fault proofs for Arbitrum. So okay. Arbitrum fault proofs are actually op- operational and running. So the chain is 
legitimately decentralized. We are now in what really? Vitalik would call a phase one of roll-up decentralization out of four, okay. which, which is uh, live fault proofs. Are we seeing Plus, that on L2 beat? The, uh, the risk? I don't know if they have that updated that fast. Okay. Okay. Um, so that is live and running and it's backstopped by a nine of 12 multi-sig. So it's like, you know, when your kid is like learning to balance on a bicycle, but you keep your hands there, yeah. like that's what's going. So the kid's balancing, but you still keep your, your hands to catch them there. That's what the multi-sig Did I, does. did I read this, uh, this group of multi-sig holders, it's called the security council. That's correct. It's security okay. council. So if they're attacked, is. then there is a multi-sig way to kind of like, um, do a, a fast upgrade, uh, some right. sort of very fast reaction. And, that's right. uh, Yes. Okay. But yes. but fraud proofs are happening now. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the, also the cool thing about Arbitrum governance is that this is not snapshot vote. This is direct on-chain executable governance. Uh, and so you don't have to wait for the team to be like, oh, this is what the community wanted. Let's do it. No, it, it, the, a Arbitrum governance is executable on-chain directly, which is pretty cool. Yeah, but okay, but like directly on chain, what does that what does that mean? What, so what does that as mean? A, as opposed to like DAO decision. governance, which is like, yeah. all right, let's do a snapshot vote. Like, oh, this side won. That means we're going to do this. No, uh, where it's like Arbitrum, just social contract. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, the Arbitrum token governance is live on it's binding. chain. It's binding, correct? It's on chain yeah. binding. That's really the, cool. There's also uh, this brand new thing called uh, the Arbitrum Constitution. I mean, you can okay. kind of expect what that is. It's the social contract of the DAO. Uh, it also sets some terms, a AIP, Arbitrum in- Improvement Proposal. Uh, there's the DAO Treasury, Govern Chain, Non-Govern Chains, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so this is all found at docs.arbitrum.foundation. And there's now an Arbitrum Foundation that exists. Very cool. They really gave this a lot of thought. Yes. Uh, I can I can certainly tell this. Uh, big rollout. Okay, let's talk about this. We, we don't know what the price of the token is mm-hmm. at this point in time, mm-hmm. but we will mm-hmm. by the next rollup. Yep. Are there any guesses? Do you have any estimates on what we might be looking at? If you, I guess you could just do comparables of yep. other layer two ecosystems. What would the, the value of my 3,000 ARB tokens be? Yeah, so 10 billion Arbitrum tokens. Yeah. Uh, coincidentally, conveniently, Matic and Optimism are roughly valued kind of close to each other. Matic is valued at $11.4 billion, fully diluted. Optimism is valued at $10.7 billion, fully diluted. Uh, Optimism has a lot more of dilution to go. The market cap is much lower than the fully diluted value. Um, but the fully diluted value, I think, is the one to pay attention to for the time being. So if we think that Arbitrum is going to be about valued like these two, comparable like for like, one-to-one-ish, that would mean that one ARB token is going to be about $1.10-ish if you think that Arbitrum is equivalent to Matic and Optimism. So uh, just above a dollar is what? Is I think is that is the prediction. safe base case. Could be that more. That is a conservative estimation in my opinion is like one dollar and ten cents how much supply is hidden this will be a little more similar to optimism than to matic in terms of it the liquid uh, supply that's on the market is that right yeah matic is like they've gone matic has gone through price discovery uh and so it's an old token that's why yes. the older the token the more uh distribution is in the hands of kind of the open market the less is locked up and kind of insiders and investors and that sort of thing 
Yeah, that, that's that's right. And so the market cap of uh, Matic Polygon is 10.3 billion, where the fully diluted value is 11.3 billion. So it's like 90% issued, right? Yeah. Uh, Optimism is uh, a fully diluted value of 10.5 billion with a market cap of 750 million. Under 10%. So under 10% totally issued. Uh, Arbitrum is coming in with a 12% airdrop. So they are going to be a little bit ahead of Optimism in total uh, total amount actually live circulating and trading. Uh, and so they'll still have a lot more to go in terms of price discovery. Optimism's price discovery is there, there's a lot of price discovery in the Optimism token, like already baked in. Um, Optim- Arbitrum is going to be about a little bit more ahead, but about the same. Uh, and so I think there's a lot more DeFi and financial activity on Arbitrum than Optimism. I think it's safe to assume, this is my estimation. I have no idea what the market's going to do, obviously. Like one, a like for like comparable of one to one for Arbitrum to Optimism and Polygon is very safe and conservative. I think we could, it would be reasonable to assume a two to one valuation. Is a it, is, two to one valuation. Yeah. So That's, two two dollars two dollars <clears throat> twenty five cents for for Arb, depending on how manic the are the community is and how many tokens they want to purchase on the secondary. Who knows? And who, who knows? knows what the initial price might be? Right. Um, that's all up to the market to decide. We have a fantastic report that Bankless put out. Uh, if you want to get the details on that, because I think if if you uh, received airdrop, the not financial advice question is, what do I do with it? Do I hold it? Right. Do I sell it? You I definitely give? delegate it. Definitely tell. Well, that would require not selling. So, <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, so you can you can. I think read you have to delegate that. the claim, however. So, <laughs> you know, uh, Arbitrum's DeFi moat. That is mm-hmm. a really interesting thing. Um, I mean, for me personally, not like I would not sell uh, oh, my no. Arb tokens. I mean, no, like it's layer two season just getting started, my friends. And uh, Arbitrum is one of the most promising layer twos out there. Uh, yeah. Not financial advice. Never is, of course. But uh, we have some videos on the Bankless website you can go check out. We're talking to their team. We're recording that a little bit later. That should be live by the time you get this episode. And uh, the last thing I'll say is if you want an automatic notification system of when your Arbitrum airdrop dropped, you just got to go to earn. earni.fi. So that is dot. F-I. Brian, Type in your address. Earnify is the ultimate airdrop finder for you. Okay. It just, huh. it's like a, a super robot that huh. just alerts you when you have an airdrop in your particular address when you're eligible because most airdrops, people never get an opportunity to claim. Hmm. So go check that out. There's a, there'll be a link in the show notes. Of course, um, Earnify hmm. is a bankless property now. So uh, we're really excited about that tech and and the value it's delivering to the Bankless Nation. Wow, cool okay. day, very that, good. That was um, I, so. It's nice to have fun things to talk about, <laughs> fun and happy things. But now we're gonna have to go on to the sad things. This is a joint statement by the Treasury, the Federal Reserve, and the FDIC. Those are all the big ones. Big Gov telling us something on March twelfth. Well, is that Sunday? Did they mm-hmm. issue that on a Sunday? Sunday evening at 6.15 uh, Eastern. Basically the last moment that they had to issue the statement before people were going to get real crazy Monday morning when markets opened up. All right. So what happened? For people right. who didn't catch mm-hmm. our episode that we did on Monday about the banking crisis, in mm-hmm. ju- can you just give us the highlights of, of what actually happened from the last right. roll-up until now? So right after we recorded their last roll-up, Silver, uh, Silvergate, excuse me, Silicon Valley Bank had a run on the bank. 
uh, and people realized that this bank was going to legitimately run out of money to give to people that had cash in a silver, uh, Silicon Valley bank. Uh, and so that caused just a bunch of just fear because many of startups in the crypto space and just overall startups in general bank with Silicon Valley bank. Some of the startups that, that you and I, Ryan, have invested in have used Silicon Valley bank as their bank no longer because that bank is gone. Uh, but uh, people were very, very worried that this would create contagion. Uh, and so this run on the bank would create uh, runs on other banks because the reason why Silvergate, excuse me, Silicon Valley Bank went under was because of a common theme, a common uh, structure that many, many banks have, which is long dated uh, securities, uh, long dated uh, maturity securities, treasuries that are like 10 year treasuries, five year treasuries, long term treasuries versus short term treasuries. And so when they bought these long term treasuries and then the Federal Reserve jacked up interest rates, those long term treasuries and other securities uh, that were all like long term time horizons went down in value quite a lot. Uh, and so that created a big hole. And then people needed to uh, withdraw their cash at some point in time. And, and they did it fast. And they did it fast. Well, Be because people started to realize that there's not a lot of money left. So they had to, you know, cr and try and because we the door. can, it was social right. media that when the VCs are typing in all caps, like there's a run on the bank, you know, right. withdraw your funds. That guess cascades. what happens. Yeah. A run everybody. on the bank. Yeah. People don't <laughs> literally show up. Although there were some people actually showing up at the branches yeah. of Silicon mm -hmm. Valley bank, but like, People are just withdrawing electronically. Wire mm -hmm. transfers doing it as fast as possible. That's right. what the run on the bank was. Um, so we had Silvergate, then Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, there mm -hmm. was another one as well. Yes. But so this was the surprise in this uh, statement here from the the, the joint statement was that uh, Signature Bank was also announced in this statement that they have also shuttered Sil uh, Signature Bank in addition to uh, Silicon Valley Bank. So Who that was a them? surprise. Uh, the the Fed, the okay. FDIC, uh, and so not only did they take control, uh, seize uh, Silicon Valley Bank, and then here's the big thing about the statement is that FDIC insurance, which is usually a quarter million dollars, they effectively just raised it to infinity for these two banks. So they right. they the Fed took over Silicon Valley and Signature Bank and said, hey, if you have money in this bank. No, even if it's over $250,000, you will totally be insured and we will give you your money back starting on Monday. And that's what quelled the fears and that's what stopped the bank run. Um, but it was this really this, this signature bank shutdown, which was a, a kind of a surprise because it wasn't signature that had a run on the bank. It was Silicon Valley Bank. And so the feds said that, well, signature bank was also under stress. And so they seized that one as well. Wow, all these banks that start with an S, I think, are cursed. Yes. So just quick recap. So last week, early last week, Silvergate mm -hmm. Bank, dead. That was a crypto-focused bank. Next, yep. Silicon Valley Bank, run on the bank. That happened Friday, was shut down. The Fed uh, came in. And then all weekend, everyone, the entire market was left to panic, like, right? Right. Hair USDC yeah. trades off his peg, mm -hmm. VC shouting, like, what's going to happen? What about the depositors? Everyone's panicking because... They still have funds in Silicon Valley Bank, and we don't know if depositors are going to have uh, that deposit guaranteed. And then the Fed comes out late in the evening on Sunday before markets start, at least traditional markets start. Crypto is trading during this whole time, never never shuts down. Right. Uh, and they, they say, nope, depositors, we're going to make them whole for Silicon Valley Bank. Oh, and by the way, we're shutting down preemptively Signature Bank. That's what this is. So the question is like, Signature Bank 
why Signature mm-hmm. Bank? Was this a was this a targeted attack, or was Signature Bank just as weak as Silicon Valley Bank? So when I read this statement, my initial reaction was, well, the reason why they would take over Silicon Valley Bank and promise infinite insurance to all depositors is because they are the the worry of a contagion event of many, many runs on many banks is legitimate and that's why they would do this. So therefore, it does make sense that there is another bank that is also under duress that is not su- sufficiently liquid to give deposit uh, give depositors their money back. So that to me makes sense. It could be signature. At it a could high be level. anything, right? Right. Um, other takes have come out with other information that this was an opportunistic takedown of a crypto bank, uh, which if you take the other side of this perspective, well, we were starting January and February talking about Operation Chokepoint 2.0 and how the Fed and the Treasury was trying to come after politically uh uh, service banking services that would bank crypto customers. And so, well, it now it kind of makes sense that they would do this regardless of the actual financial condition. And so people have passed this back and forth. Um, and so this is part of this story here. Uh, here's Nick Carter's take, which is talking about former Senator Barney Frank of Dodd-Frank, the Dodd-Frank Act, openly admits that Signature was arbitrarily shuttered despite no insolvency because regulators wanted to kill off the last major pro-crypto bank. He is not a crypto person. He does not care about our industry. So this is like a decently unbiased take is that he said that there's no real objective reason that Signature Bank had to be seized which is a big statement from this, the Frank of Dodd-Frank to say. This is Barney Frank, like pointing the finger at the the Fed and the US government and saying, this is a direct quote. I think part of what happened was that regulators wanted to send a very strong anti-crypto message. Barney Frank saying this, this is not crypto Mm -hmm. zealots saying this. We became the poster boy because there was no insolvency based on the fundamentals. And the reason why he's saying she, uh, we is because he is at Silvergate. He is a board uh, he's member at Signature. Of Silvergate. So, excuse me, Signature. We'll get our S's. Um, There's so many S's here with 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 these banks. Um, yes. And so officials, Fed officials, saying crypto had nothing to do with the Signature takedown. Uh, but then in this article, it stated that any buyer of Signature Bank who wants to buy this distressed bank must agree to give up all the crypto businesses at that bank. Uh, okay. Oh my God. I didn't know that. Know that. Not, not looking great. Not looking great. So some, the, like the traditional way to kind of, I'm going to say bailout, but save depositors as a bank is to have a bigger bank, buy it, buy all the depositors assets. Right. Um, and this is saying that maybe any buyer of signature has to agree to give up all the crypto business at the the bank businesses fail. Sick. How is this legal? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so here is Zero Hedge commenting on that recent Nick Carter take. Uh, crypto is now a political issue. The Democrats want to crush it, and the Republicans, GOP, will use that in 2024. We'll see what that happens when the elections God, I hope around. this doesn't become a left yeah. versus right so thing. Is Congressman Tom Emmer, Republican, saying, Today I sent a letter to FDIC Chairman Grumberg regarding reports that the FDIC is weaponizing recent instability in the banking sector to purge legal activity from the United States. So, Tom Emmer, member of Congress. Also, we are in talks with him about coming on Bankless, so we will talk to him directly soon. I think he's coming on next Friday, David. But uh, that is not... Oh, so here's Jake Shravinsky tweeting out today the Blockchain Association sent FOIA requests, that is Freedom of Information Act requests, to the Fed, the FDIC, and OCC demanding information about the unlawful banking of crypto companies. We are collecting evidence of debanking. Share your story with us. And he gives an email to do that debanked at theblockchainassociation.org plus a threat. 
So whether or not that this was a run on Signature Bank or this was a targeted political takedown of one of the few remaining crypto banks, sounds like we're going to get down to the bottom of it because we have the Blockchain Association with freedom of information because we live in a democracy and also a congressman going after this as well. So the we sleuths will, are on will, the case. We will, we will find evidence. this out. We'll see if the allegations are true. Yeah, Jake Chervinsky here tweeting, there are troubling reports of crypto companies having their bank accounts closed with no notice and expl uh, explanation. And this is a, a disturbing trend suggesting that regulators are trying to cut crypto entirely out of the banking system. Not legal to target an industry like that and to target a specific set of depositors. David, let's go back to the USDC mm -hmm. story though, because that hit crypto, of course, Crypto didn't stop trading. USDC yeah. was still trading against other stablecoin assets. Dropped down to 88 cents. Panic. We had Jeremy Allaire on the podcast earlier, but this is his statement that he issued right after that Fed letter was sent out that all depositors at Silicon Valley and, and Signature Bank would be made whole. What's the story for USDC here? Yeah, so I pulled out three tweets out of his thread uh, that I thought uh, were worth stating. 100% of USDC reserves are safe and sound, and we will complete our transfer of remaining SVB, Silicon Valley Bank Cash, to BNY Mellon. Much bigger, bigger bank. With the closure of Signature Bank announced tonight, we will not be able to process minting and redemptions through Signet, which is a product from Signature Bank. Signature Network is what it was. It was uh, a product to facilitate inter- customer transfers instantaneously inside of Signature Bank. So like Wintermute, I believe, is a customer of Signet, no longer because it's down. Uh, and so like you could have instant bank transfers across clients um, since that well, is... Si isn't Signet still up? It's just being operated now by uh, BNY so Mellon? Apparently it's still up and running, but they are no longer depending on that. So wow. they are now taking on settlements uh, through BNY Mellon. And then yeah. lastly, indeed, the Payment Stablecoin Act, which remains a very active pursuit in Congress, would enshrine a law, a regime where stablecoin funds, aka USDC, would be held with cash at the Fed and short-term T-bills. We mm. need this law now more than ever if we truly want a safe financial system. I think it's worth noting that like two banks that served Circle went down and Circle persists and is is uh, trading just at a one dollar. step ahead yep. all you got to do and now it's a bny out. melon man and so yeah. like they are just climbing the ladder of bigger and bigger and safer banks like usdc is an increasingly safe place to hold your money well now basically one usdc is is as good as a bank in a too big to fail financial banking system so yeah. basically you know usdc is going to get depositor bailed out yeah. anything goes wrong as Hopefully. long as the u.s banking structure holds as, and as long as, long as don't become overly draconian about crypto yeah right exactly um anyway the full story with jeremy allaire is actually on the bankless uh, podcast yes. i learned so much about usdc that was one of the hardest from, uh, the most hard-hitting 30 minutes podcast it was a very short podcast and he oh, was listen like to it. dropping the yeah he was like here's what happened over the last yeah. five years we and asked let me like tell two you questions in 30 yeah. minutes and he answered more questions than i had yeah, go check that out. Um, mm. Of course, this is a centralized stablecoin. This is not a decentralized right. stablecoin, but that is still important uh, in the it's crypto Trojan ecosystem as well. For, for like, Jeremy is a crypto person. He is yeah. our Trojan horse into TradFi. Yeah, that's how we do it. They're still paying ETH gas fees. They're still burning ETH, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, that's uh, right. Okay, so this contagion has maybe spread to Europe. What's the story here as we uh, as we record this, David? Yeah, so Credit Suisse under duress in Europe. Uh, Credit Suisse. Uh, perhaps not the most like legitimate bank out there 
perhaps did some money laundering. Are you causing a run on the bank right now, David? Perhaps, perhaps that. could have facilitated more legitimate financial transactions. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Uh, could could have been better. Anyways, uh, they the shares of Credit Suisse hit all time lows, uh, but then the stock price resurged because uh, the Swiss central bank agreed to loan the bank up to fifty billion francs, fifty four billion dollars, to bolster confidence in the country's second largest lender following the collapse of two other banks is the article. So Credit Suisse not looking great, but they also needed a, needed a bailout from a central bank. The, the weak banks are shaky, right? But but I do think, I mean, central banks, whatever country you're in, are going to bail out depositors. They can't afford like. to have really banking like. contagion spread yeah. across all of their respective countries. So I think that's uh, the story here. There's a story about stock prices of the big banks as well. What are we looking at here? Uh, a bunch of lines going down into the right uh, of JP Morgan, Bank of America, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs. Not one of them is better than negative 10%. So. Mm. Bank, bank stock slide. Uh, Ryan yeah. Selkis had a take here. Well, bank sl- stock slide, what was crypto doing last week? Up 10%. <laughs> down 10 to 20% versus up 10% for crypto. Well, I mean, like, doesn't this expose, is this a narrative trade? Doesn't this, ex- I think it's a few things. I think one, it's a little bit of a narrative trade. People waking up and being like, well, how safe is my money? Number two, I think this uh, indicates a, a more dovish Fed moving forward. How much can Powell actually increase rates, which is, of course, good for risk on assets like crypto? Um, here we go. Fed now. What yeah. is Fed now? And how does that link to the story of what we've been talking about, David? Fed now is like... As close as you get to a CBDC without actually making a CBDC. It's fair- not, it's like a, a, it's not a CBDC in itself, is it? It's like um, a side chain yeah. for digital yes. bank dollars. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like a transaction side chain for the Fed. Uh, instant payment service from FedNow starting in July aims to reduce the gap in payment time between United States financial institutions. Uh, this instant payment network will settle payments in seconds and su- support transactions between consumers, merchants, and banks. Does not rely on blockchain. So the conspiracy here, Ryan, is that Signature Bank was taken by the Fed. Conveniently, FedNow service is announced. <laughs> Just rolling it out. Huh. Which, huh. Fed, Fed, FedNow is, go- is, is government tech. Right. It's, right? it's government Signet. It's, it's a government side chain. It's like yeah. it's like Signet made their own private side chain to facilitate mm-hmm. these uh, these banking transactions and to settle kind of um, I guess crypto payments in the uh, in the U.S. banking system. This is uh, Damon Nam expressing that Silvergate had Silvergate Exchange Network, Signature had Signet. Both were private networks for companies to transfer value between each other using digital assets. Where are both now? These companies enabled alternative currencies that threaten a CBDC and Fed now. Mm. That's the conspiracy theory that maybe mm. the Feds were trying to take this new network down before it mm. blossomed into something bigger. Mm. I will leave this up to the imagination of the listener. David, is ETH a security? All right, this was buzzing last week as well because New York Attorney General alleged that Ether is a security. So, someone a- who does not get to determine what a security is. Allege that Ether is a security. That should be what the headline is. Okay, so what's the take here? What's going on? Uh, So uh, the New York Attorney General is suing KuCoin, an exchange, saying that it it violated securities laws by offering tokens that meet the definition of a security without registering with the Attorney General's office. What were those tokens? Luna. Well, no one's going to defend that one. UST. And Ether. 
like just lumping all those things together <laughs> as if they're the same. Uh, and they have argued that Ether is a security. Um, that the, why is Ether a security? Well, because the value of Ether is dependent on efforts of others, including co-founder Vitalik Buterin and the Ethereum Foundation, which, man, are we talking to a Bitcoin maxi or are we talking to the New York Attorney General? I can't tell the difference. It's important to realize these are just court filings to yes. try to prove a case. So it's not yeah. even necessarily kind of cringe, a, actually. A, a statement. I, I feel like it made headlines because of the name. It's a, you know. Right. New York Attorney General of the name, not that this is actually, she doesn't have the power to do this, basically. No, It'd no. just be like me tweeting, Bitcoin is a security. I, I don't have it's the like, power to, I declare up, a security. <laughs> I, I <laughs> <You> declare. <laughs> doesn't work like that, guys. Um, this is pretty bad, yeah, the, the, you know, the statement, you can read the details. And there's some analysis this week of what happens if Ether is a security. Uh, it's just, it's, it's not, a, it's just an illegitimate question like what happens if ether is a security it's not nothing's gonna happen well i guess if somehow the u.s government all colludes as part of this extended operation choke point to choke off crypto and somehow ether is able to like mm-hmm. declare ether security and that is not defeated in the court system then what happens the u.s is eliminated from the crypto race like it's not going to kill Ethereum long term. And by the right. way, I think that like I give the odds of that happening like one percent, two percent maybe. Like right. it's probably not worth thinking about. That's my yes. current take. I yes, mean, I could take. be wrong it's about not that. Worth thinking about, yeah. But it's just a lot of noise. Uh, and speaking of noise, Gary Gensler is <laughs> saying some of the same noise as well. <laughs> What's Gary saying? Uh, he's saying that proof of stake tokens are securities, uh, and so. Uh, returns that token holders see from stakings indicate that these tokens are securities, according to Gensler, and would need to be registered under U.S. securities laws. Whether they're promoting or putting into a protocol and locking up their tokens in a protocol, that's often a small group of entrepreneurs and developing are developing that often a small group of entrepreneurs and developers are developing, I would suggest that each of these token operators seek to come into compliance and the same with the intermediaries. Like at this point, this is just the Gary stump speech. Like Oh, crypto is security. I declare a security. I declare. (laughs) Also, Gary can't also... Does Gary get to determine who, what is a security? No, he doesn't. No, not even Gary gets to determine that. What is, what is that determined by? Courts, right? Am I right on that one? It should be. I think Gary can, can prosecute, but then he has to prove his case in court. And uh, who are you going to prosecute with Ethereum? Uh, How does that even work? You're going to take the the tower computer into court? Okay. Man, I wouldn't like to see that. But I would at not some, like to see that. At I some would level, love to see Vitalik. Okay, so when Vitalik brings out, I've seen Vitalik bring out claws sometimes, like against Bitcoin maxis, or when he like does claws, it. claws in a like a way that's like I'm going to rationally destroy your article, your argument yeah. in front of you, sort of right. thing. Not in a very concise way, and it's and it's going to I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to verbally pants you. Maybe <laughs> that's that's the right way to do it. Verbally, Vitalik has I've seen Vitalik verbally pants people a number of times. It is it is just a da- an absolute dream of me a daydream to st- imagine that he could might be court. able to do I, that for Gary Gensler one time. I think this could happen in Congress one day. But like anyway, I don't want to put Vitalik in that situation. Yeah. This is all stupid noise anyway. It's not worth anyone's time. Uh, David, we got a lot coming up next. What are we covering? Uh, Starbucks sold two thousand NFTs inside of twenty minutes. 
uh, we have a, a withdrawal date. Did you know that, Ryan? In the middle of the Arbitrum airdrop, like everyone's talking about Arbitrum today, we also got the date for I just the learned that fork. by yes. reading the roll-up agenda yeah. today. Uh, so we're going to talk about when withdrawals are going to be enabled, or sadly, we're going to have to talk about Euler and the, the hack there. Uh, and Aztec is sunsetting Aztec Connect, but perhaps for something better. So we're going to get to all these updates and more as soon as we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Here we go. When is the next Ethereum hard fork, David? When can I withdraw Stake ETH? Specifically at block number 6,209,536. That is your answer. Um, Thank maybe you. You're, maybe you're asking, when is that? Thank uh, that you, is, chat David GPT. <laughs> uh, very precise. Yeah, that is uh, uh, going to be April 12th. So uh, a little bit over, uh, under one month away from today. Today is the th 16th of March. Uh, April 12th is when withdrawals go. happen. We have uh, a date. Lido, however, also has to upgrade its own smart contracts huh. to enable withdrawals, uh, to enable withdrawals, right? And so Lido is targeting mid-May to allow for uh, Ether to come out of the Lido DAO. Um, so that's the news there. So there could be a delay. That's happening yes. in May, even though the rest of the Ethereum protocol is uh, upgrading yes. earlier. Right, correct. Gotcha. Um, let's talk about some sad news. This yeah. is, um, I think, really devastating for uh, a really cool DeFi builder team, Euler mm -hmm. Labs. Uh, what happened, David? What's the news? Yeah, Euler, it's a money market, kind of like Compound and Aave, with some cool new mechanisms, much more governance minimized with new liquidation schemes that all of the big brains out there think are pretty cool. Um, it was definitely growing in popularity. It was uh, dominating in the staked ETH, uh, in the staked ETH world. Uh, really great team. Ryan and I are investors in Euler, so disclaimer, I guess, for that. Um, $196 million drained in DAI, USCC, Staked ETH, and WBTC. This is uh, so far the largest hack of 2023. Um, and so they did their best to plug the hole, uh, but uh, not not before $196 million was happen? exploiting. How did it um, happen? Uh, I mean, the, the, I'm beyond my capacity to understand the, the exploit here. Um, it was you, a flash loan. Yeah, um, it was a flash loan to start. Um, and then, yeah, some sort of exploit in, in, the, in the code. Um, it has since been plugged. Um, so that's, that vulnerability is now gone. Um, but, but I mean, but here's what's crazy. So they had um, audits six, of their six smart audits. contract, six, six audits, audits of their smart contract. And um, this functionality was existing eight months. Mm -hmm. So it had a Lindy of about eight months live with uh, tens of millions of dollars. And this whole amount has been drained. So yeah. a lot of DeFi users affected yep. by this. Yep. This is, I should emphasize, like some of the hacks that we've seen over the years are, are kind of like protocols that are just fast and loose. Right. Um, they don't take security yeah. into mm -hmm. a, a account. Um, they're not, they're making obvious, uh, you know, trade-offs and they're obviously flawed. Euler's not one of those. Right. These are one of the, the, the teams that are doing it the right way. Right. And it happened to them. Yeah. This is, Dude, when, you, when you see six audits and it still gets hacked, that's just, man, like smart contracts, like the, the only good metaphor I've heard for, uh, smart contracts is like, they're this, like the steam engine, like they just blow up a bunch and then one day they start working. This one sadly blew up. Devastating. And yeah. I, I guess we have to emphasize, right? There's just DeFi is taking this on the chin. Yep. Uh, of course, um, this was a, a mistake. Uh, obviously, there was a flaw in the way that this was constructed. Mm -hmm. And what we always end every episode with is crypto is risky. So is DeFi. You, you could lose, lose everything. What you put in. That's what we say. Yeah. And this is another reminder of that. Be careful. 
Mm -hmm. uh, in these new crypto ecosystems, the new frontier, people get hurt sometimes. So Euler is offering a $1 million bounty that uh, it goes to anything that leads to the arrest of this uh, hacker. Uh, as of this morning, Ryan, we are watching the funds go through Tornado Cash, which more or less indicates that the hacker has no intention of returning the funds whatsoever. Um, the likelihood that this is North Korea is like, I mean, I, it's been You think it could Korea. be a state it's, actor? It's, it's you think the FBI is on the Korea. case? Yeah. I mean, um, they've already, they've, they've, uh, talked to chain analysis. They've talked to law enforcement. They've talked to Coinbase's like, uh, chain chain analysis equivalent. Uh, I mean the fact that it's immediately going through tornado cash, my money is on this is North Korea. Wow. Uh, upsetting. Uh, definitely. Yeah. David, what about Aztec? So they okay, are sunsetting yeah. Aztec yeah. connect. Um, I don't think this is bad news necessarily, no. but no. I was confused when I saw this. Yeah, uh, people are like, oh, Aztec, they're getting shut, shut down by uh, law enforcement or regulators. Because no. they're a privacy protocol, privacy, yes. a layer two uh, privacy yes. protocol. Yes, uh, so like Tornado Cash, but if it was in a whole entire chain. So they are Sunset Aztec Connect and ZK Pay, Aztec Pay, which is like basically Tornado Cash, but better. Uh, but they are doing this to build a next generation encrypted ZK rollup. Uh, and so they are basically sunsetting this thing that was a really good stepping stone for what is about to come, which is probably like the most sophisticated privacy technology on Ethereum. Uh, and so uh, this is just the prelude to that, if you will. NFT stuff. Starbucks sold 2000 NFTs in 20 minutes. Uh, this is pretty big. What happened here? Uh, 2,000 NFTs priced at $100 each, sold out in 20 minutes. Uh, 2,000 digital stamps, uh, journey stamps. Um, I can't say that I know what these do. Yeah. Do they get you coffee? They don't get you coffee. I don't know what they get. Right, uh, let, me, let me look at these journey stamps. Um, secondary marketplace. Look at this. Floor price of $650. Oh, they're very, very pretty. Oh, yeah, wow, those are pretty. Those are pretty. It's like the, uh, the Starbucks mermaid. Yeah, you know, this is different manifestations. Yeah. yeah, what what do they get you? What um, do they get you? Starbucks clout. Uh, if you're I don't not know. A, a Odyssey Starbucks Odyssey member, you can join a waitlist. So something about a Starbucks Odyssey. All right. Uh, I mean, Starbucks doesn't have great coffee, but they hey, they D got great David NFTs. David is too much of a coffee snog to buy this <laughs> Starbucks exactly NFT. That's what right. this means. Yeah. Epic. Uh -huh. The creators of Fortnite have also close to twenty crypto games in their store pipeline. That's pretty big, David. Yeah. Okay. So over the last like six, nine months, I've been like, oh, everyone's talking about crypto gaming is the next big thing. And I was like, okay, that's a fun narrative. Like, let's see if it plays out. After going to ETH Denver, after hearing news like this and talking to some other people about what's going on, like not this in my mind has gone from narrative to no, this is real. Your game like, there, was a, there was a game at ETH Denver that was absolutely beautiful for those who like Dark Souls. It looked a lot like Dark Souls. Uh, that all the assets in the game were NFTs on a blockchain. And I'm like, well, that did not know All I gotta say is along. like, well-balanced economic games are fun. Yeah. They're just fun. Like, I yeah. even when I'm playing, like, crypto feels like a game sometimes. Sure. It's just one giant economic game and yeah. it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. It's cool that Epic is doing stuff here. On the opposite end of the spectrum, though, Meta is ending NFT support on Instagram. Meta! Dude, what? Instagram. It seemed like only yesterday you just deployed this. This right. is product news from a product lead at Meta. Some product news across the company. We're looking closely at what we prioritize, in, including our focus. We're winding down digital collectibles to focus on other ways to support creators, people, and businesses. 
I'm disappointed by this. David. Yeah. It's what uh, were people just not using it very much? I don't know. Uh, maybe people weren't using it. Maybe it's kind of a bummer. I mean, they got in at the top and they're leaving at the bottom. Yeah. I, the, the, the simple take is just tourists are tourists and settlers I are settlers. Guess. And it seemed like, it seems like Meta is, is maybe acting like a, a tourist in crypto right now. Man. Well, they say at the bottom of this, they say, and look forward to supporting the many NFT creators who use gold pass it. But like they said, looking forward to support, yeah, who using Instagram and Facebook to amplify their work. Well, but you just took away the feature. They, that they support su- you, though. They Like morally? <laughs> I don't know. My take is this is a big opportunity for Web3 Social. If Web2 Social is going to say bye-bye to NFTs, that's fine. A bigger opportunity for decentralized networks. This is, by the way, like the same week that um, Meta and Zuckerberg announced that they're going to build some sort of decentralized social media thing. I'm right. Some Twitter alternative? All confusing to me. We'll Scroll see what plays out. Scroll to that fourth tweet because this doesn't make any sense. Let me be clear. Creating opportunities for creators and businesses to connect with their fans and monetize remains a priority and we're going to focus on areas that we can make impact at scale, such as messaging and monetization opportunities for reels. Hmm. Sell okay, real, maybe I am an NFT daydreamer optimist. Yes, you but are. But... Uh, this seems to be the opposite of that. Hey, we're going to not do anything in Web3 and we're going to go back to Web2 and focus on that to, you know, help support our creators. Pretty regressive. Tourists leave, settlers stay. That's all I got to say. It's a good time to shout out the bankless collectors. We're doing experiments in (laughs) NFTs and collectibles. It's working for us, Meta. We're doing it just fine. Look at the top collectors here. Should we shout (laughs) them out for a second? Absolutely. Who do we got Uh, here? How many many podcasts have we actually tokenized yet? Uh, I think like six or excuse me, like 10 or 11 Every Monday. And then we did five last year, our Genesis collection. Mm -hmm. Who are the top collectors though? You want to read them out? Lyword. Eth, we've just figured out how to pronounce uh, his name, Lyward. Thank you, Lyward. 36 tokens. 36. <laughs> coming in at thir- number one, 36. Uh, th- coming in at number two at 32 tokens is Landrin.eth. Uh, so thank you for guys for being one and two. The race is on. We also got Coker.eth at 20 tokens, Vault.diderCrux.eth, and Automagic.eth, 20, 19, and 18 tokens. Uh, so they're the top five collectors. Uh, we really appreciate the support, guys. Thank you, Bankless Nation collectors. Uh, yeah. Fidelity Crypto quietly went live, giving millions of retail customers access to Bitcoin and Ether. The, this I didn't one even was notice quiet. this happened. This, this one was, was quiet. This was a quiet thing. Uniswap that, was not quiet. This no, one was quiet. <laughs> this was quiet. Okay, so Fidelity is absolutely massive. Mm-hmm. 37 million retail accounts. What do they do? They just added a buy button for Bitcoin and Ether inside Bullish. of their app. Bullish. Where are they custodying this, David? Do you know this? I uh, do not know. I think Fidelity has their own custody thing too, don't they? Beautiful. What if they're using that or uh, something like Coinbase? I don't know. I do not know. I do not know. Uh, I mean, this isn't bullish yet because the, no offense to Fidelity customers, but I will call them the herd. <laughs> they are not early. <laughs> hey, I'm a Fidelity customer. Do you yeah, take but that you back? also have a Kraken account, I'm assuming. Yes. And so where do you do your buys, do. Ryan, in Fidelity or Kraken? And Always so Kraken. the people that are buying today, like the idea is that when the herd does come, they don't have to leave and they don't have to, they don't have to, they can stay inside of their close, yeah. comfy, cozy zone of, of protection, zone which of is comfort. Fidelity, with the buy button to, for Ether, you know? When so MetaMask integration Fidelity, when do you do that? <laughs> when can I sign in with Ethereum? <laughs> <laughs> All right. God, what I'm do we sorry. got? Um, releases. Uniswap mm-hmm. on the BNB chain. That happened. 
Well, and that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We also have a, a raise this week. Mm-hmm. Wanted to mention Soul Wallet, backed with $3 million, aims to bring self-hosted crypto wallets to the next billion. Big fan mm-hmm. of smart contract wallets. I think we are going to see a wallet renaissance. Do we want to call a wallet summer? Because that if we do... It's going to be two years later that it actually happens. But it does happen. It will happen. It will happen. There will be a wallet summer. Maybe Soul will be included in that. But we're starting uh-huh. to see a lot of smart contract wallet and wallet funding in general. It's really exciting to see great teams doing this. And this is from a previous Bankless guest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whoever listened to the Layer Zero with JJ, uh, Zhi Zhang Zhang, uh, who uh, dissented out of China because he worked for Baidu, which is TikTok's parent company, and he refused. Isn't it Tencent, not Baidu? Am I wrong about that? I thought it was Baidu. Okay. I don't know. I mean, did you Some listen to the episode, Ryan? I did. I don't remember though. But uh, I think it was Baidu. Commenter, correct us. Yeah, um, but uh, he refused to build out an algorithm that could identify Uyghurs uh, for uh, for Baidu, basically, because the Chinese government wanted to suppress them. And he was like, I don't agree with that. Uh, now Bad he lives ass. in San Francisco and, and is building a smart contract wallet. Uh, and Ryan and I are investors in Soul Wallet as well yeah. because we believe in it. Uh, fantastic. Jobs this week, guys. Check them out mm-hmm. on the Bankless Jobs Board. I'll read a few. Mm-hmm. A marketing manager at Rise, a sales development representative for Web3 and crypto at Rise as well. Uniswap, hiring like crazy. Senior product designer. They need an application security engineer and a senior mobile engineer that is React Native. All the jobs are always available for you at bankless.pallet. Dot com. Go check them out. David, we got questions coming up. We got takes coming up. What else? And what else after that? Of course, what you and I are bullish on, it might perhaps have to do with layer twos. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and of course, the meme of the week. So all of this and more as soon as we get back from some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Back with the questions of the week from the Bankless Nation. You can ask those in the Bankless Discord if you are, if you are a citizen. As USDC starts looking more and more like a state-backed currency, totally agree there. Do you trust it more or less? I feel like I trust the Fed to prop it up like any other bank, but does that go with the vision of decentralization? Xerox Caesar Severus asked this question. Uh, so I think this starts off a very big conversation. Um, and one part is, do we, do we trust USDC? The second part is, how much do we want our DeFi ecosystem to depend on the USDC? Mm. So... Uh, USDC looking more and more like a state-backed currency, 100%. Do I trust it more or less? Uh, I trust it to be $1 and to always be able for me to have a claim on $1 value more and more and more. Uh, It is becoming closer to being the CBDC that will never actually come about from the central bank. It is doing like this backdoor strategy. It's a proto-CDBC. It's a proto-CBDC, and that's very bullish for it being strong guarantees about always having $1, no matter what happens, even if like cryptography gets broken, for example. It's close to the base layer of the money printer, basically. It's always going to be redeemable, it seems like. And it is doing its job of being $1, no matter what the back end looks like. So I trust that more and more and more every single day. And I think the market is going to understand that too. Like people who sold USDC at 88 cents, they're going to remember that if USDC ever like loses its peg again, like mm-hmm. it's USDC starting to become anti-fragile. It's coming so, up stronger out of this. Right. Mess. So I trust it more and more and more. Uh, does that go with the vision of decentralization? Well, uh, we watched die DPEG because it was dependent on USDC. Um, 
a lot of DeFi apps don't actually ingest oracles for USDC price. They make an implicit assumption that one USDC is $1, which is making DeFi and all the apps that do that uh, enshrine USDC as $1 in the same way that USDC is trying to become enshrined in the Fed as the proto-CBDC. Makes DeFi a bit more fragile. It makes DeFi more dependent on the Federal Reserve and more dependent on uh, the USDC. Uh, is that good? Well, it depends on how uh, radical you are, I think. And so I'm of the opinion that our current financial system and our new financial system will integrate and hopefully be friendly with each other. Other people are more radical than myself. And they say like, not, not $1, like stop, like rye, not die even to this point. Like some people don't like how USDC is inside of MakerDAO. Everyone finds themselves on a particular place in the spectrum. I think it is definitely something to be wary about, but I do think that accepting USDC and allowing for it to grow does offer very big adoption tailwinds from people who we would otherwise not be able to convince about crypto. What do you, what's yeah. your take on this, Ryan? My take on it is USDC is generally good for crypto because mm -hmm. uh, the more USDC that is settled on crypto networks like Ethereum, the more gas fees they pay, and the more our decentralized native currency, currency like Ethereum, Ether, the asset, mm -hmm. can thrive and grow. Every time somebody transacts with USDC on Ethereum, they pay tax to ETH holders, right. which increases the value of Ether. Right. So like backdoor, we win. We don't get that right. sort of treatment in the US banking system. So it's totally a net win for crypto. Now, does that mean we should become dependent on it? Absolutely not. But you got to look at the long game here. The mm -hmm. long game is we are only going to have two types of digital currencies. Type one is central bank digital currencies, of which USDC is a proto version of that. It's mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Type two is crypto, internet native, real, non-central yeah, non bank backed assets. The best assets that fit that profile right now are Ether and Bitcoin. Yep. Those are the only two assets kind of in the running for that sort of treatment. And then you can create more stable derivatives on top of them. Mm -hmm. And so though, that's the bifurcation. As long as we preserve both, and as long as our decentralized native currencies get stronger and stronger over time, we are winning relative to the position we are in. So I would much rather see the Fed adopt something like USDC that pays transaction fees to Ethereum than to go the um, Chinese central bank route of creating their own blockchain network and their own super central bank digital currency and not deploying on a decentralized network uh, entirely. Mm -hmm. That's So it's good, it's not perfect, but it's better than them not doing it. So it's a net win for crypto. Right. I think USDC is more of a Trojan horse for crypto into TradFi than TradFi than it is for like the Fed into 100%. crypto. 100%. I think Jeremy Allaire is a crypto person more than he is a banker. Although he is a banker, he is more of a crypto person. He's a crypto He's banker. He's on our side. He's on <laughs> well, our like, side. Well, look, at, if you have USDC, how much... So by the way, USDC is a, basically, I count USDC as is just as secure as a dollar in my Wells Fargo account. It's kind of one and the same, except this For, dollar... It almost was more secure than dollars inside of Silicon Valley Bank and, right? and so, Signature Bank. So this dollar is, uh, now it's tokenized. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I have easy access to trade this dollar anytime right. on a decentralized exchange called Uniswap. Right. In fact, that's why we saw Uniswap volume out there. So it's another 
on-ramp to crypto. Right. I, you know, I can't do that with my Wells Fargo dollar. I can't go on Uniswap and, and do my savings account dollar, trade that with ETH. I can with USDC. We could go on about this, but I think uh, you guys get the point. We, this is why we are still excited about stablecoin adoption, even if it's mm-hmm. not fully decentralized. It's still in the win category. You know, you know when um, the FBI went to Apple and was like, hey, uh, let us through the back door of this person's phone and Apple was yeah. like, no, F off. Yeah. I hope that that's what USDC does for its holders. As in like somebody comes in and say, hey, blacklist this address and USDC is like, give me a court order to do that. Right. I'll but real even if my, they my, don't, well, the reason let's talk about the, the reason Apple does that, because if they don't, people abandon the I. It's bad right. for shareholders. People right. abandon iPhone. If right. USDC does start blacklisting, guess what? We abandon. Oh, yeah. We abandon it in a heartbeat. Right. right. Trade my USDC for mm-hmm. some ETH. It's easy on Uniswap. See you later. Right. Or another stable coin that doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. See, now the bankers are playing in our world, in our right. game. Market forces. And, yeah. yeah. If they adopt crypto protocols, they adopt uh-huh. crypto values. That is uh-huh. the back door here. Uh-huh. Uh, that's what Dave and I believe anyway. We got another question here. This one is from Sneak, Sneak Up. Up. Yeah. Can, Can you, you clearly cle- di- differentiate ZK and optimistic rollups and the different narratives they hold? Oh, that, really, that clearly Prefects is doing a lot of work here. Yeah. Uh, so optimistic rollups, think of them as a uh, fractal off of Ethereum. They are Ethereum, but as a layer two. They do everything that Ethereum does, and they settle down to Ethereum. Ethereum as a layer two. A ZK rollup uh, is Ethereum with zero-knowledge cryptography <laughs> as a layer two. Uh, man, getting to the nuances of this is actually pretty hard. Um, think of Ethereum with 10x better cryptography and compression and faster and cheaper fees that allow you to have so much computational resource that the limitations for putting almost anything on chain are basically gone. Uh, And so, for example, uh, you will see Web3 games on an optimistic rollup like Arbitrum or Optimism. And what that means is that there are games that have assets inside of them. On ZK rollups, you will have fully on-chain games where the game engines and game logic themselves are actually smart contracts. That is perhaps one way to illustrate this. Um, that's all I got, Ryan. That makes sense. I think what, if you want to, if you are a bankless listener and you want to go down the, the crypto rabbit hole a little bit, and when I say crypto, I mean cryptography, Right. go check out an episode we did probably, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, maybe longer, David, with Justin Drake. It's called Moon, Moon Math. Moon. Okay. And that I think is the philosophy around this. What David was saying is there's two types of ways to sort of scale things in uh, crypto. One is economic games that we can play, like fraud proofs. This is what optimistic uh, technology does. And the other is pure math, pure moon math, pure cryptography. And that is what ZK rollups do. Uh, Anyway, if you want some more context for that, that, Mm -hmm. uh, you'll find it there. But uh, ZK technology is kind of the moon math equivalent way where we get um, all of the crypto economic guarantees, but through cryptography rather rather than having to pay for it. David, we got some takes of the week. Let's read this first one. Uh, what's this? <laughs> Jim, I'm going to skip the first part of this tweet. Um, Jim tweets out, banks are sovereign rollups that post data availability to the Fed. I think it's a great take. I think it's a great take. Okay, Bye. sovereign rollups, as in they control their own ledger. A bank is a sovereign rollup. It has control over its own ledger and that it posts data availability to the Fed. So it takes the state of that ledger and 
tells the Fed about it. That is a sovereign rollup with data availability posting to the Fed. And it actually works out quite literally. We were talking earlier about FedNow technology, which mm -hmm. is basically a big settlement chain. That mm -hmm. is the chain through which these bank sovereign rollup ledgers actually post to. They post back to FedNow. Right. Uh, it's, yeah, accurate. Mm -hmm. David, this is a tweet from you. The crypto class of 21 and 22 have really earned their stripes. God, I'll say. Yeah. We have, haven't we? Yeah. Three hours capital liquidation, Voyager, Celsius, FTX, uh, a, a bank crisis of our banks, the banks that we actually care about, uh, now Euler. Man, like in the first half of 2022, I was like, man, these these kids got it easy. Yep. And then the second half of 2022 came and like, oh man, these guys got it rough. Totally. Uh, and so I follow up this with this tweet saying, in 2025, when you're all millionaires, they will say that you got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Remember how, what it took to get to there. You know? Nice sweet. Not financial yeah. advice. Not financial advice. I don't know. How, yeah. I don't know how that's financial advice, but it probably is somehow. Uh, Ryan Sean Adams tweets out a whole bunch. God, we just... <laughs> We just have podcasts. We just read our own tweets. We should, we should do more of these. Uh, a whole bunch of tech entrepreneurs and builders just learned why we need crypto. I wonder what they're going to do next. What do you mean by this, Ryan? I, I do think that's part of the, the narrative shift that we're seeing here is like you have the startup bank of the United States, of Silicon Valley, basically, mm -hmm. and all of the founders of all of these uh, startups just got temporarily unbanked and then right. permanently unbanked. Didn't know whether they were going to get rug pulled or not. From all of their, like what they have to stop and think these are builders, these are engineers, these are people who want to uh, create a, a different world and have the skills and, and talent to actually do that. I think some of them, some portion of that population probably got crypto pilled last weekend. Yeah. And maybe some portion of them will understand why we're here, why crypto exists in the first place, and will use some of those skills to help us build out this crypto future. Uh, that's what I mean. It's This is when you learn, right? When PayPal locks you up. Remember Paul Krugman last week? He was like, he didn't say, now I understand crypto. He got locked out of PayPal though. Mm -hmm. Now he knows what the use case is. He's probably going to consider that the next time he assesses what we're, what we're trying to do here with uh, uncensorable financial transactions and the value of that. Bullish. There bullish. we go. Speaking of bullish, David, what are you bullish on, man? I am bullish, Ryan, on layer twos. <laughs> uh, but here's what I mean by that. Uh, Arbitrum finally releases token. It's like the most anticipated airdrop of all time. In one hour from right now, we, I don't know why I'm saying this. One hour from right now, Ryan, you and I are live streaming with the Arbitrum team. So all the listeners, that is already live and available for you to go consume. OP stack already has two major chains. Coinbase is building on the OP stack. We have two ZK EVMs launching in the next 10 days. We haven't even talked about that. Do uh, people Z know about that? Do they remember that? Two in 10 Two. days. Yes. Yeah. Mainnet. ZK EVM mainnets. We haven't even talked about it. Everyone's focused on the Arbitrum airdrop. People are forgetting about the ZK EVM uh, are getting launched. And those are going to have tokens too, by the way. Uh, well, one of them is Polygon, so that token already exists. Uh, there's also some alpha an embargoed thing that I'm uh, am recording Don't say tomorrow it. Don't say that it. will be released on Monday about layer twos. So that's happening. Like, man, all of the innovation is happening in, in layer twos. Like, 
we said layer two summer was going to happen in, in, when did we say that? 2022? Uh, 2021. I think 2021? we called the first layer two summer. And then 2022. <laughs> we well, called the second happen. one. Here we are. But, but we're March, calling it for 2023. Calling, it's going it to be It is currently happening. We are in, this is what layer two summer looks like. Yeah. Perhaps two years late. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> Uh, yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm bullish on layer twos. Yeah. It's super bullish. I think uh, it's played out, uh, how we hoped it might. And uh, down to, do you remember that episode we did about the, uh, modular blockchain thesis? Yeah. Um, Man, that's that this playing ago. out. That was, yeah. that was a while ago, but it's playing out that way. Cool. What are you bullish on, Ryan? David, I am bullish on, um, regulators that do their jobs. Oh, how many this, of, there are, of those me, are there? Let me introduce you to Hester Peirce. Hmm. All right, she is an SEC commissioner and the antithesis of Gary Gensler. You know, it, it occurred to me when uh, Bankless put out this tweet, I was like, we spend a lot of time on Gary Gensler yeah. in too our roll-ups and our content time. and just his crypto. We really do spend too much time on him. I, I, I want to take a minute to just thank regulators who are actually doing their job. Hester Peirce is one of them. She is a certified American badass. She is principled. She is smart. She's willing to engage the crypto community, and we are lucky to have her. I'm thankful for this person. That was, um, I think, re-echoed to me as we had this uh, interview. We had a conversation with her earlier in this week. That episode is going to come out on Monday. It's already just, out for citizens. She just calls it like it is. Yeah. Uh, she's very honest. We asked her questions like, what is a security? She's like, you know, I don't know, and I, I don't think the SEC has done a good job actually communicating with any clarity on this. Right? She it's said, just, sorry, I know this is what, what you're excited about. No, say it. She, she said that the SEC is primarily interested in increasing its jurisdictional reach. Yes. She just said it how it was. Flat out said it. She said focused on that rather than what they should be focused on, which is principles. And I just, um, just want to be thankful for mm -hmm. regulators that are actually doing their job. And, and this is a broader thing that I think is important for us to, to realize. In the United States and I think across the world, there is a growing frustrated majority that just wants everyone else to behave like grownups, yeah. right? Stop playing the power games and like, let's actually build something for the future. Let's actually build something we care about. Hester in the conversation described a scenario, which it just seems so simple, but... In, in some way, it, it was also a utopia of just like the crypto community and regulators coming together and having a conversation about Records a crash. new, imagine what? that, about a new asset class and how this should be governed and, and regulated moving to the features. And what, what parts were really decentralized, what parts were centralized, where the scammers and bad actors were, and how regulators could go side by side in the crypto industry and uh, move this technology of freedom forward. Wow, that can actually happen. And I think there is a, a majority of people who are sick of our institutions mm -hmm. failing us, sick of the power games, want to get back to like building a productive society. And so I'm just happy and bullish that people like this exist. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I'm thankful for our good regulators. They don't get enough credit and uh, I think they should. Yeah, 100%. As much as people like Gary Gensler make us lose our faith in humanity, people like Hester Peirce build it right back. There you go. Uh, meme of the week, David, what are we looking at? Meme of the week. This is from CMS Holdings. Uh, Do Kwan makes basis cash. And 17 dominoes later, <laughs> the U.S. banking sector needs a bailout. <laughs> Thanks, Doe. 
That was his original stablecoin, uh, by yeah. the way. Fun fact, mm-hmm. if you didn't realize that. Yeah, that was the, the one domino before Terra Luna. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, guys, we got to end it here. None of this has been a financial advice. It never is. Got to reemphasize that crypto is risky. So is DeFi. You could lose what you put in. The banking system's kind of risky, though, too. But we yeah, are headed life, west. Everything is risky. It's all risky. This is the journey that we're on. It's the bankless journey, and we're glad you're with us today. Thanks so much.